Hello, welcome to Codependent and Shit. What's up, guys? Hope you're all doing great. I have 30 days sober today, so I'm recording this today. And um, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. 30 days ago, I wanted to be dead. I wanted to unalive myself. Like, I didn't, I thought I was hopeless. And I'm a different person today. And um, yeah. I uh, just on a side note also I'm just gonna get personal and share that uh, in regards to my last episode I talked a lot about like you know putting in the footwork of following the red flags like you can only have so much self-awareness and you have to be willing to cut off these people new people that you meet and you're getting kind of like invested in maybe a little bit but you realize they have these deal breakers in their the way they interact with you or treat you and behave and you have to be willing to not only recognize that they're operating that way but that that is unacceptable to you and you need to cut it off and move on and I can proudly say that I just did that with someone um that I thought was this the most amazing man um because he presents himself in that way like his the way he interacts with the world and the image he gives off is a one people love him everyone loves him um I actually was in rehab with him like not in rehab he worked there (laughs) that already sounds so bad of course I got involved with people from rehab um I was not intimate I didn't have sex with anyone from rehab that that I can I'm glad I can say I was very cautious about that but I did get involved with a couple people. One was in the rehab with me and another person was working there, right? And the one that worked there was an older man. And I was like, all right. Because in rehab, I was like, he's a great, he's a good man. He's a good man. And you know what? He might still be a good man. But from what I started to pick up, I just felt like in my gut something was off. It's only been like, I don't know, not even two months. But um, things just weren't adding up. There was just things. There's half truths. There's just, my gut was like, nah, this ain't it. And and same with the way he would interact with me. There was a lot of like blame shifting and, and zero accountability. And, um, if you need confirmation that someone you're starting to talk to, if you're wondering, are they like toxic? Are they like healthy for me? Um, share with them how you're feeling and see how they react their reaction will tell you everything you need to know because I was having my you know feelings and I was like I'm just gonna talk to him like an adult you know he's an adult he's 46 like we can have a conversation and he handled it exactly how I had hoped he wouldn't but how my sneaking suspicion thought he would and it was a different person than the person I thought I was getting to know um it was totally blame shift, gaslighting, anger, zero validation for my concerns. And um, it just sealed the deal for me. I was like, okay, confirmation received. Like, if you need confirmation, just try to have the conversation and watch how that goes. Because you know how they operate. I'm not saying, I don't think he's a narcissist. Like, there were things like I didn't have red flags at first. He didn't love bomb me. He didn't do a lot. It honestly felt healthy for a hot minute. And then I was like, no, but you know what? I'm not healthy. So I shouldn't even be dating right now. Like I, that is something I fight so hard, especially about being new in the program with AA. Like I hate that rule. And it's because I don't want to do it. I don't want to not date because that is such a, that's an addiction for me along with my other addictions. I get so much validation from dating. I look for 
what only God can provide me from men. And I always have since I was a kid. And I'll get more into that later. But that's something I have always struggled with. Always. Is that I'm seeking that external validation. And it's, it, I do it in other things besides people. But I do it so hard with men. Like I always have to have someone. And I'm just, it's not, it's not the, it's not going to work like that. You can't do that. It's blocking you off from your connection with God. And that's because you're making men or women your God. You can't make them your God. They are a creation of God. Like you can't make them God. Only God can be God. And if the God talk is freaking you out, sorry, it is what it is. I just got baptized again for the second time on Sunday with my son. I did it again because when I first got baptized, um, I was so new and I honestly went back to my old life. Like it's supposed to be this, this marking of a new life. And I didn't do that. I went right back to my old life, maybe even worse. Like, so I wanted to do it again. And this time's different. Everything's different. Um, even with hitting my 30 days again, this time's different. I'm more emotional and I just feel like there's just, it's so much more special to me. I'm so like, feels like a birthday. It's so crazy. Um, but yeah, if you are also offended and don't like that I'm a Christian, like you can just like go ahead, listen to another podcast, go hop on like a woo woo podcast about manifesting your way out of um, healing this stuff. You, If you want to try that, I tried all that. It doesn't work. But like maybe it'll work for you. I don't know. Who knows? Go, go for it. You meditate your way out of, out of that. If that you think that's going to work, do what you got to do. I, for me, it didn't. Tried everything, tried everything. And now I'm a Christian. Thank God. All right. So what I wanted to talk about more on this episode is the stages, the stages of the narcissist. Do I want my podcast to be about narcissists? Not really. I hate that I'm giving them that attention. I hate that I'm giving my past exes that attention. But unfortunately, but I guess fortunately, my most popular episodes are about narcissism. They always get the most hits. I get the most responses. I get people saying it's helping them. Um, I'm in the codependency ones, obviously. The podcast is called Codependent and Shit. But, the, the man, everyone's struggling with this shit. It's so prevalent. It is so huge. It is everywhere. It's, it's not that it's getting thrown around a lot. I, I do not agree with people that say everyone thinks everyone's a narcissist. I just honestly think that we are such a sick, profoundly sick society today with all this social media, with all the media that we've been fed through our lives. And we are a sickeningly narcissistic and codependent society. I think that it's either side of the coin, some people both. And, um, it's not that it's, being thrown out a lot it's just we are that's where we're at it's more common than not unfortunately which is so sad but and it's not if you go look up statistics for people getting diagnosed with narcissism I've already talked about this it's low because narcissists don't go get diagnosed you guys they have zero self-awareness they don't go they're not like yeah I'm gonna go get get a doctor you have to have insurance you have to have things to do that and go get a diagnosis like they're not going to do that shit. That would be like a narcissist being down to go see if they're a narcissist would be like shocking, a miracle almost. Like, let's be real here. So the statistics, we can't go off that. What we can go off is how many people are struggling and how many um, people can sit there and compare stories 
about their partners or ex-partners and that they all operate in the same way and have these same traits and and work in these same cycles and there's the proof you need that it's common too common and I don't think everyone is a textbook like borderline like not well BPD is totally a thing that ties in um but like a diagnosed narcissist but there are people that are highly narcissistic and we all have some narcissistic traits I believe I do too but there's some people it's like it it is like in control of their personality it is the driving force unfortunately so anyways I just want to talk about the stages because I saw some like posts that had the stages and a little like cliff note about Avery stage and I felt like it was so accurate so I just want to talk about the stages because I'm like yo this is real shit and you know I like to talk about real shit so the first stage all the stage we love this so much everyone's favorite stage this is where you get hooked line sinker you're like bitch I'm in love this is my soulmate this is it this is like that fucking movie I grew up watching I knew it would happen for me that's the love bombing stage they are your soulmate they mirror you and they're like what they are everything you could dream of and they say all the right things at all the right times and you were like I never knew a love like this could exist the abuser will shower you with love affection attention and validation they might get you gifts they might take you to do your favorite thing they might just do over the it's usually over the top but we're just like oh my god so overwhelmed with it that we kind of are like overlooking that this is actually manipulative it's disproportionate to what would be considered healthy because normal people don't meet someone and feel that intensely for a person they just met because healthy love with a foundation takes time it's I think it's more of a slow burn are there people that meet and like no they found their one yeah that does happen and they stay together but usually it's love bombing and it's because this person doesn't care who the fuck you are. You just look good. You have something they want and they are, you are their target. And it's insincere. They're not in love. It's very sad. But we love the attention. Oh, we love it. All right. The second stage is trust and dependency. You begin to trust that they will love you unconditionally. Always. You now start to depend on them for validation. This is also a stage that we love. You're like they got me they so got me like this is my person we are seeing synchronicities there is weird things happening i my you know what's fucking weird that at least my ex did is the number thing he'd be like oh look at the like because you know angel numbers the repeating numbers the three 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 four 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 one 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 super big with the spiritual community he would always point those out and be like look it look it and it was supposed to be like this uh, this sign that we're like meant to be together and i even saw i did see one like when we first met and i mentioned it but like it'd be like every time we're driving he's like look three 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 four 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 and like i'm like oh my god yeah like totally like it's like god no um but you really start to trust and depend on them because they're showing up in the beginning they're consistent they're they're really laying it down thick thick of like fucking oatmeal you're like yes i want to eat all of it give me it um but this is like one of the stages i feel like that sets you up for that heartbreak later because you are just about to be deceived because what you thought 
it ain't what you thought. And the you, you thought the third step, not step, stage, is the criticism begins. Ooh, this is where it starts to hurt, you guys. The narcissist begins to reduce the amount of care and validation that they once gave you. They start to criticize you, place blame on you for things you have no control over. You want to know a huge sign that you're dating a fucking highly narcissistic person? They get mad at you for things out of your control. They are mad at you that it's hot outside. They're they're going to start a fight because they had something happen at work. They something pissed them off. Um I once with my ex we were late to pick up my son. Like we were being stupid and we were stoned and like went to the grocery store and I needed to go get my son and I forgot he got out an hour early on this day of the week cuz I was just in La La Land. And we were going to get him food and I was like, the school call was like, yeah, oh, he gets out early today. Are you coming? I was like, oh my God, I got to go. I got to get him from school. And so I'm like, shit, we'll get his sandwich after. And he threw the biggest fit. Not only that, we were like stuck in some like traffic jam for some reason at an intersection. And he seriously like looked at me. Ew, it makes me sick thinking about it. He was like, this is, your life's pretty inconvenient. And like, I was like, excuse me? Like, you don't even need to be with me right now. You could be at home. Why the fuck are you even here? Like, I gotta get my kid. And then it was like, the comment was weird and dis- rude. Ew. Seriously, my stomach is turning. I think that's good. Um, but then he like had a temper tantrum. Like, he wouldn't talk to me. He was upset. He was mad. He, my son got in the car. He was like, wouldn't even say hi. And it was just disgusting. And this is how they act, you guys. They act like grown children because they are grown children. And I should have been running for my life then, but for some reason I didn't. And, you know, that is what that is. But it's also the criticism. The criticism. You will get the jabs, the quick little jabs. And you know what I've noticed a lot of them like to do is this sarcasm. The sarcasm jab. Like, it's like they're go- they're joking. But are they joking? Because you know the things that they joke about are a little serious. Um, like my ex, once he was like, you know, I wouldn't put up with you if you weren't so, weren't so hot. You weren't so good looking. And then he was like, serious. I was like, and then he tried to say he was kidding. And I was like, I feel like you're not. Um, little things like that. Um, criticizing maybe like how you take care of your place or how you parent. He would criticize my parenting a lot. And just little criticisms where like all of a sudden you're not perfect to them anymore. You're not perfect. You're not this perfect person. You're not this... They were blowing you up before about how you're just this angelic best thing they've ever found. And all of a sudden, you're not. And all of a sudden, they have realized you're human. Everyone has their flaws. And they're going to point them out to you. And the next phase is one of the worst ones is the gaslighting. Gaslighting. Oh, my God. I heard a quote saw a quote thing yesterday it said maybe she's born with it maybe she's been gaslit so much that she can't determine the difference between reality or no paranoia and intuition I'm like damn that attacked me I'm so bad at knowing am I being paranoid am I tripping or is this my gut because if you've been gaslit like throughout your life by manipulative people 
you will have a hard time trusting your intuition because you don't even know your reality has been distorted so much. So the gaslighting phase, they will tell you that their unhappiness is your fault. If you would only do exactly as they say, they would be able to love you the way they used to. The aim is to make you doubt your own perception of reality and make you accept their interpretation of reality. This phase is so disgusting. It makes me so angry. It makes me angry when I think about me going through it. Um, but it, it's, I swear, there's never not gaslighting. That's always part of the process. It's always, they always do it. And it's like the most, it's brainwash. Um, I was really convinced when my narcissist ex was getting like unhappy with me that I was the problem. Like, he would be like, you need more therapy. Your therapy is not working. Um, and so I would tweak, I'd do, I'd add on more things. I'd be like, I need to do this more. I'll do this more. Okay. I'd always be like, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm going to do this. Um, that's one of the reasons I tried getting sober when I actually like, I didn't even, I didn't try for the right reason. I wasn't ready to be sober. I was doing it for him. He was like my God. Right. And so I was like, all right, uh, maybe I'll just stop smoking weed. Maybe I'm just high all the time. And like, that's why it's not working. And because he really convinced me that I was the problem and that like, I'm a miserable person and that I make things unhappy, but like really low key, like they'll say shit like that to you. What they'll accuse you of the things that's wrong with them. Like you're always miserable. And once you're out of these relationships, you'll realize they are the fucking miserable ones. They're the angry, nasty people that are never pleased with anything. And the things that they were accusing you of being and doing, they were doing and they are crazy. I hate gaslighting. It makes me sick. Second, I mean, the next stage, stage five, control is set. Ooh, they get off on this, all right? They get off on control. That is what they want. They want to sink their fucking teeth, their claws in, and have that control over you. That was that was the uh, emotive from the, from the jump. You feel like your only chance of getting back to the happy, comforting feelings of stage one is to do things the narc's way. Ew. Yes. Totally. Man. Oh, my God. I let my ex control me so hardcore. I let him run my, like, my family, which, who, what, why? But I just wanted stage one again. I just wanted the love bombing. I wanted to feel special again. I wanted that validation, and I wasn't getting it anymore. I wasn't getting the sex anymore. Um, I wasn't getting, like, he would never have sex with me. Like, seriously, we were still in the honeymoon phase, and I already felt like I was in, like, a miserable marriage. I'm like, well, am I going to get laid tonight? Hopefully. Should I even? Should I even plan on it? I don't want to get my hopes up. Like, seriously, like, I've, that's something I've noticed they all do is use sex as a manipulation tool. It's like very passionate, good in the beginning. They really act, they put on the act and then it dissipates and then becomes flat. Like the last time I was intimate with my ex, it was so terrible. It was so bad, dude. Don't remember last time I had good sex. It's been a hot minute for this woman. Um, probably for the best. But it was so bad. Because he did not... He was checked out. And um, I just noticed that's a manipulation thing that they use. That's a tool. Or um, also giving you sex as a, like, as like a... Um, like a reward. Like if you, if you get in a fight and uh, you have makeup sex. It's like, uh, or if you're like starting to be over, they can tell you're like sick of their shit and you make up, you have like a fight and you make up and then they have, they have this great passion sex with you again because it's like, they know that's what you want. That's going to make you 
be like, okay, all right. There, well, there it is. It's like one of their breadcrumbs. It's a sex breadcrumb. <laughs> um, the next stage is loss of self. Things get worse, not better. Mm-hmm. And you resign yourself to accepting their abuse. Should you fight back? The abuse intensifies, so you find yourself walking on eggshells. You're confused, miserable, and your self-esteem is at an all-time low. This is this the sickening, sickening stage that is just when you are not in your body anymore. Your soul has been sucked out. I swear to God, this is when I was like, this shit is demonic because it sucks the light out of me. You have this light in you you are this bounce like you're this person you have this soul and these people suck that out of you and you are just like this gray empty figure you don't stand up for yourself you don't like do the things you used to do the things that make you happy I knew I was really miserable and at that point when I I wouldn't listen to music anymore I'm a music person that is my like heart and soul I'm a musician like I was, I don't, I wasn't listening to music. Not, a, there's nothing that interests me. My life just revolved around him and making him happy and, or trying to avoid a fight or, and it, they just suck the, the light out of you and it's depleting. It's exhausting and fighting. Yeah. Feels like worse. You're just more depleted when you try to fight back because they always make it your fault. It is always your fault. They have never done anything wrong and they, they will never take accountability and you are just so sick of fighting it. And then that leads into the last stage, which is addiction. You are addicted. You are addicted. You are trauma bonded. That is what the addiction is. You are addicted to the chemical cocktail that this trauma bond has provided, the highs and lows. Your friends and family are worried about you. You feel terrible about the situation, but you cannot leave because your abuser is everything to you. All you think about is winning their affection and validation. I mean, I hate this stage because this is where you're at. And when everyone in your life is like, why don't you just leave? Or they say this to a, a women in abusive situations or men all the time. Just be done. Just be done. Because it's like that simple. They don't. There's people that just don't understand that this is an addiction and you feel like this you can't live without this person it feels that real it's sick but it's true and you you your body will go into withdrawal over this person i full-on i said this before when me and my ex split i was like withdrawing from drugs that's how i felt it was it felt worse i think than like when i've tried to get sober Or when I've gotten sober in the last few months, like that whole breakup, like was a withdrawal. It was the, it was gnarly. My body was physically ill because I was addicted. I was so addicted to this chemical of like, these sirens, dude, (laughs) it's symbolic (laughs) Um, of the highs and lows, the fucking dopamine hits, the, the withdrawal, the dopamine hit again. I get the breadcrumbs. I want that love back. And it's just this up and down roller coaster. And it is addicting. It is a trauma bond. And a trauma bond, you are playing out a dynamic from something early in your life that subconsciously you are trying to heal. You think this is, and subconsciously, you think you're back in that same battleground from I don't know where, your childhood, a caregiver, something. You think you're back there. And subconsciously you think, okay, I'm going to heal this now. This is where I'm going to get my redemption. I'm going to finish the quest. 
the quest will be done now. I will, I'm going to get that, what I didn't get. And that's why you keep going. And that's why you get with these pers- this person in the first place. Because it's familiar. You're like, I know this. I know this, in this type of interaction, this feeling, this, this pattern, this cycle. And you want to just heal it. It's so sad. But we don't heal it. That's not how we heal it. That just keeps us in the cycle of misery and addiction and trauma bonds. And we got to be done with this shit. And um, that's the last phase that I had on this list. And that's what I want to just start to talk about. Um, making the a significant other your god. I think if you struggle with these kinds of relationships that follow the pattern I just said you're probably like me and you're the type that you make men your god you make women your god um they dictate your life the way you feel that's a big one if you can't function because you didn't get a text like you usually do you didn't get um they didn't say I love you as much today or you received no communication today and your whole life falls off um you're making people your god and in doing that you shut off god completely because god doesn't want you to make things he created more important than him there should be nothing that's more important to you than him and i'm just gonna read some things i just wrote down because this is something i have to i'm realizing right now that i have to stop doing i have to stop making this a priority in my life at all if i really want to heal i really only believe you can heal these things by having a true and serious relationship with your higher power with whatever you think your higher power is i'm not going to tell you what to believe but with god And that sounds weird to a lot of people. And it sounds weird almost a little bit still to me to come out of my mouth. But that's part of the process is learning to surrender and trust and have faith. Is faith something that you have because something comes down and you see it? No, faith is about not seeing it but believing it's there. That's the whole point of faith. And you can't have faith if you're not willing. Are you willing to try to have faith that something exists? Because when you start, I'm telling you guys, if you start to be willing to believe the things that you will start to see things happen and you'll be like, dude, God is real. Uh, It's been happening in my life the last month. I've had so many things happen where I'm like, dude, God is opening doors for me. God is like giving me opportunities. Like it's so real. You just have to be willing, be willing and be down. Okay, so. What I just wanted to say is um, idolatry is an issue whenever anything in a person's life takes priority over God. Um, every idol in our life is a failed attempt to find in created things what we cannot find in the creator. God designed people for relationship with him. God, idols represent the substitutes of God we made for ourselves. We make for ourselves. Um, you're filling up what should be given you want from men or women or whatever it is you're making your god you want from that what only god can give you and that is why it doesn't work and you will run yourself dry trying to get it and i've done this this started for me and i realized this doing my step work for my fourth step i realized how early this pattern started for me when i was little really little my mom is a single mom two kids full-time teacher worked her ass off always busy When she got home from work, she didn't pay any attention to me. Am I mad about it? No. She just, you know, I get that. I have a kid. It's hard sometimes. 
she just wanted to chill i don't know do her own thing i was just left to my own devices which was at the time in the 90 late 90s uh a computer aol chat rooms nothing was regulated then and i got in chat rooms and i started talking to straight up pedophiles men that was what was readily available because we got sick ass society always they always been sick I would talk to men. I had no idea I was talking to pedophiles. I thought they were boys my age. They pretended to be my age. Me and my sister would both do this. We'd get like boyfriends in these chat rooms and they'd pretend to be 11. They'd pretend to be our age. And um, we would think we had these boyfriends and they were not. But I would get my, I would get validation from these men, from these, it makes me sick, but that's, what I learned was like my way of feeling good then and feeling content and um, distracted because I already had felt discomfort in my being. I felt I used to already have depression when I was really young. I used to pray to be happy when I was like eight. Like this was how I felt comfort was by talking to boys on the internet and it's super creepy because I look back and I realize I was talking to pedophiles based off like the things they would say to me. I didn't even know what they were asking me for. Asking me for pictures and stuff, which I never did because I was like, what? What is he even asking me? I didn't understand. But um, that's something I did. and I learned and I also learned it from my older sister. My older sister, that's her. She still is like this. She makes men her God. She always has. And I learned every so much from my older sister because I was with her all the time. I grew up you know, my mom was busy and I would just do what my older sister was doing. I, I got into alcohol and partying because of my sister. Like I just did. I thought she was the coolest person at one point. Um, but that was her thing. So I learned that too, but doing my fourth step was where I really did inventory and realized like how young this pattern started and why today it is such a gnarly addiction for me. And why, when I'm in my 12 step program and being told, Hey, you shouldn't date for a year. I'm like, bitch, what? Get real. I can't do that. I'm not going to not date. Like that's who I am. It's like, it's like drinking and partying. That's who I am, right? No, it's not. If I can be done drinking and partying, I can be done with dating. Or I can at least take it off my priority list and realize that what needs to be on top of my priority list is God and my recovery and, um, my peace, my well-being. I will never have that peace if I'm always searching for it in men and dating because those things aren't permanent. They're not ever going to be consistent. There's life is up and down and um yeah, we have to get real with ourselves and stop putting men and or women in relationships above our everything as our the top of the totem pole of priorities of how we get validation and how we get comfort and I'm telling you man God put this on my heart so intensely and I have felt ever since I had this conviction right after I got baptized I feel ready to let it go I don't care to get on an app I don't care to reignite things with some new guy I just want to feel peace with myself and my friends and just have peace and I honestly just pray for anyone listening to this. If what I've talked about is hitting for you and is relevant, just give it up. Be ready to give it up and pray to, and just pray, be willing to pray, be willing, just be willing, being willing to surrender this stuff and ready to 
stop making other things your God and just let God be God and, and be, he'll, he'll, it's time to heal. This is how we heal. I'm sorry. I've tried everything. I don't go listen to a million other podcasts that tell you, if you go to these retreats and you sit there and you learn all this stuff about your trauma or you go talk into talk therapy and talk through your trauma over and over that that's going to heal it. I don't, it's not going to, I'm sorry. It's not, I've done it all. That shit doesn't work. The only thing that I really am feeling relief and peace in is having this relationship with God and realizing what is in my life that is blocking that connection and really figuring out how to get rid of it. And it has to be, honestly, it's divine intervention and it has to be supernatural and it's real and it's out there and you can do it. And I'm just going to cut this because this episode's getting long, but I love you guys so much and I pray for you. If this hits your heart, it, it hit you for a reason and I hope that you just really just really are willing just become willing just become willing and just surrender we can you can do this if i if i can do this you guys you can do this all right i love you guys so much i'll talk to you soon